Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Alone Podcast. This week we have with us Mark D'Ambrosio. Mark was a participant on season seven of Alone. So Mark, thank you for taking time away from your life and everything you've got going on to sit down and chat a little bit with us tonight. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. I said I appreciate you coming on and um, you know, what I like to do for everyone before we kick off a show, when we start the show, is just give you the opportunity to share your own bio, your own background, and present yourself in any way that you choose to. Um, so you want to take some time and do that, and then we'll just jump right in. Yeah. Um, so 37 years old, uh, when I was, grew up hunting and fishing uh, with my buddy Quinn in Florida. Um, believe it or not, Florida is considered the South. I'll say northern Florida, not uh, maybe not the middle or southern Florida. But uh, grew up hunting and fishing and surfing, and then uh, 22, joined the Marine Corps. Um, did that for a little less than just under 10 years. Um, was in the recon and the scout sniper communities while I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, lived in Japan, lived in California, Nevada, uh, North Carolina. And then I got out in 2017, started a business where I teach people uh, self-sustainment and shooting long range kind of mix that into a, its own course um, so I do private instruction doing that and then recently uh, well actually 2018 I had my son Max who's going to turn four in September and then uh, fast forward to now I just opened up a started a winery uh, and now I'm getting into the world of wine which is real fun that's awesome um that is gonna start i have a feeling we're gonna spend quite a bit of time there tonight um that (laughs) that just like you know i i don't drink wine but that just made my mind go in all sorts of places um where can people find you mark where can people find your school um i don't know if you have any socials that you're interested in in people keeping up with you on maybe if your winery has a website already yeah the instagram is shoot hunt survive um the if you're interested in like shooting and sustainment instruction that's uh intsurvival.com and then the wine brand is thewoodsmanselection.com okay awesome so i will have a link to all of those in the description below so if you're listening to this go ahead and check out the instagram we'll have the website's links you can go and see um see what mark is up to so I was reading on your website and your kind of your header says precision rifle, bushcraft and mindset. And I was really curious when I read that about the, the mindset portion. Um, I want to, we'll get into the, you know, the survival and the, the shooting and all of that, but what is the mindset portion of what you're doing? Yeah, man, that's when it comes to uh, my entire goal with uh, international mountain survival is to prepare people for, sustaining life in the mountains for a long period of time um and when you're doing that you know you could have all the skills in the world but uh if you don't have the proper mindset you don't have the proper attitude then you're not gonna do as well as you could do so one of the biggest things that i teach my clients is hey how to keep your cool um how to keep your head on straight how not to get flustered uh and really long range shooting is a awesome avenue for doing that because you know if you're shooting pistol or you're shooting carbines and you're you're going through houses and stuff like that uh you've got to be aggressive um you're not essentially keeping your cool like you would with a long gun 
Oh, when we're shooting something from far, far away, uh, you've got to keep a good head on your shoulders. And the same thing goes like in a survival situation, you know, uh, or you're out there, maybe you're not even in a survival situation. Let's just say you're 20 miles in the back country and you don't have any support. You got to keep your cool about you there too, or else you might be in a survival situation real quick. Um, so, you know, I get some clients that are doctors, some that are lawyers, that some that are in really high stress um, fields of work. And one of the biggest things that they take away from it is how much I tell them to calm down, how much I tell them to breathe. Um, you know, it's, it's not as intense as some may think. So, Is that specific to the shooting side of things or to all of it? That you're seeing just life in general man it's it's, it's life in general and it's funny because uh i was i had a lawyer client recently and i told him i was like you know usually i tell people this is good for their lifestyle but you may not want to adapt these uh these new personality traits because you might get eaten alive in the courtroom uh <laughs> if you go about it all nonchalant and relaxed that might not work out well for a lawyer <laughs> that's funny yeah, it's, it's interesting. The uh, the episode prior to you, I was speaking with um, Wayne from season one, and we were talking a lot about mindset. So I'm not going to rehash too much for the people that have listened to episode 25 and are now listening to this. Um, but just for you, like I was in a situation when I was really young, I was probably eight or 10 years old, somewhere in there. And I ended up getting lost from like I was with a group in the mountains in a place where someone had died a few weeks prior. And I knew that. And I got totally lost and separated from my group. And yeah, like what happens to your mind when you're in one of those situations, if you're not prepared, like to understand the mental, like what happens to your faculties um, is something I will never forget. And it was, it's like the biggest takeaway for me from that situation is that, I mean, it just, my brain went crazy. And so for you, how did you, like, how have you learned that skill? Uh, what do you do right now to keep control of your mind? And, and where did you start learning to, to have that mastery? You know, <laughs> throughout life, uh, figure, finding out that when you react a certain way, it does no good. Um, but I've been put in so many stressful situations where um, even before the Marine Corps, let's just say out in a hunting situation uh, with ATV accidents or, you know, in the Marine Corps, um, you get put in a lot of situations and you realize that no matter what situation you're in, if you take a deep breath and you take a couple seconds to think about what you're doing and how you're going to react, it is always going to be more beneficial than overreacting about any situation. If you're always trying to stay optimistic about things, you're always going to be uh, in a better situation than if you were to freak out. So, uh, for example, uh, there was a fire, uh, 2020, there was a fire heading towards a ranch that I used to work at. Um, I still instruct there, but Branded Rock Canyon. It's a real nice ranch, expensive ranch. And uh, if the fire was to hit this ranch, they're not going to have any way of making money for the next few years. Um, and my mindset was, the fire hasn't touched the ranch yet. It's not, it's no big deal. Everything is going to be fine. And I remember one of the ranch managers, he doesn't work there anymore, but one of the ranch managers uh, freaked out. He's like, how could you say that? You know, it's right on the other side of this hill, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
what you're doing is no good, right? What you're doing is solving nothing, um, except all it does is create drama. And some people love drama because they don't have enough of it in their lives and they need to create it. Um, I've got plenty of drama in my life, and I like to get rid of that and bring in a little bit more, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just a better lifestyle, way of living, less stress. And so, you know, I've, I've learned these skills, how to not react to certain things by being put in enough situations. Now, you know, that's not something that you really have someone teach you usually. Um, you're not going to learn that in school, I don't think. I mean, it would be cool if they did teach kids that. But, you know, that's something that the only way you're going to learn how to be calm in stressful situations is to put yourself in stressful situations. And it's uncomfortable and it's cold or it's miserable. But at the same time, man, that's one of the best things you can teach your kids. It's one of the best things you can teach uh, your loved ones is, you know, and it creates a really good bonding moment too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how you say that. Um, I was talking to a, a family member. Th this was a while ago, but I have a family member who, um, is in a career where they have the opportunity to do force on force training from time to time. And so I was kind of asking that question is like, so you've been in kind of a real life situation. Um, and then you've done your force on force training. Like, how do you do force on force training? So like for, you know, for those out there, this was like basically paintball training, right? So you're practicing clearing rooms with paintball guns. And, and I was trying to ask it, how do you get in that mindset when you're in that scenario, right? When you're trying to put yourself in a stressful situation to, to mimic what would happen in real life, like, how do you, how do you mimic that? And I, I still, like, I, I'm struggling to understand how that even works because it just, it seems like something that you have to actually be in that situation. But I guess what I'm getting at is, like, how do you prep for that when there's really not a way other than being there? Repetition, man. So it's like, <coughs> um, the person you're talking about, I'm assuming sim rounds. Um, you're talking yeah, about simunition sim rounds, like yeah, there, with like the little paint. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure it doesn't. Feel that's good, a, that, so that, that helps. The, but yeah, that's 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 a good one. For example, like going in through a house and doing force on force, or because you're in close quarters, it gets really stressful. Um, people can be getting shot right next to you in real life. But you do this over and over and over again, and you learn from your mistakes, and then you realize that uh, you're starting to become more of an analytical thinker and you're starting to think about everything before you do it. Now, some things need to be muscle memory. So you need to train your body to be able to react to certain things like how to draw your pistol out of a holster. If, you're, if your primary weapon system goes down, you're not thinking about that um, in a stressful situation. You're just automatically doing it or you need to be trained to be at the point where you're automatically doing it. Um, but you've got to train to, for all the bad stuff and you've got to have bad stuff happen to you. Um, and you have to experience all these things that way, whenever you are in this situation, no matter what it is that, you know, you can handle it. Um, when you've done something really hard or you've done something that you never thought possible, when you go to do it again, it's a lot easier. Um, you're a lot more relaxed. You're a lot more clear minded and, you know, so it's just doing these things over and over again uh, in order to set yourself up for the for the your mind to be in the right place. Because, <clears throat> man, I don't know. Like, 
Have you ever like went do you bowl at all? Like you ever go bowling? Like, like bowling alley bowling? bowling? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. I, I used to spend some time bowling, yes. I'm like a solid one thirty bowler. That's on a good day. Well, you so like life. yeah, if I was to like but if I'm gonna be in a bad attitude, and I know I'm gonna be in a bad mood. If I'm having a bad day and I go bowling, I don't bowl that much. I don't even know the last time it was, but if I go bowling in a bet with a bad attitude, I know right off the start, I'm not going to be doing well. Um, and I've got to get my mind into the right, into the right space to be able to be you know, proficient at even getting a 130, <laughs> which I know isn't that great. But uh, all this stuff that we're, we're doing in life, like no matter if it's, you know, dropping the kids off at school and you're having to drive and sit through traffic, like mindset, you know, if you want to live the best version of yourself, then having a more relaxed life, uh, having a good mindset where you're optimistic, you're not getting flustered about things. Um, it'll take you far. You know, my dad, uh, he's the complete opposite of me. And I think because he's getting to, you know, he's reaching, going on 65, he's starting to calm down, but talk about a stress ball, you know, and I, and I think about my dad and I'm like, that is exactly what I am not ever going to be uh, in life. And, and those people are out there. And if, if you know that you're like going through life and you're getting pissed off at people driving and you're getting ticked off of this and you're blaming others for that, um, if life isn't good, then you might need to just take a look and, Take one of those psychedelic walks you were talking about earlier, and <laughs> I don't know. Get some of that woodsman find, wine. Find some mushrooms. Yeah, find some mushrooms. But <laughs> like, do something to change your life and have a better attitude. Um, and it's easier said than done because you know everybody's lives are different, and everybody has different situations they're going through. But man, I'll tell you, the biggest thing that I teach in my courses uh, for shooting or survival or self-sustainment is the mindset. And when someone tells me I can't. I have to work on my mindset of not getting irritated by that. Right. Um, and that's something I'm like, okay, let me show you that you can because everything in this world you can do, unless you're trying to be a rocket scientist or trying to be a brain surgeon, I get it. Maybe some of us aren't, aren't cut out for that, including me, but just about everything else, man, it's like you can do it and it's not that complicated. Um, so. Yeah. I love that. I, uh, this oh, this might sound terrible, but I often tell myself that actually when I'm looking at, at work or when I, you know, in past jobs or whatever else, I'm like, you know, I could probably do anything here. Like if you give me, if you give me like even half of a book, I'll figure it out. Like we'll get there. Um, yeah. And that does go a long way, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that does go a long way. Um, I'm curious if you, I mean, you mentioned that you're kind of the, the opposite of your father. Did you start, like, did you, did you come out this way or did like, <laughs> did li like, did life experience say, Hey Mark, man, you gotta just chill. Do like the Marines beat it out of you or kind of. Oh no, I definitely was not. You? I, I was definitely not chill. Um, and the, the Marine Corps, no, they didn't, they didn't beat the, the chill into me. You know, the funny thing was, uh, life experiences yes turned me into who i am today um believe it or not like i was in the marine corps maybe like six years into the marine corps and i was about the 
least humble person you've ever met. I don't know if I'm any more humble today. I like to think that I'm less humble or more humble than I used to be. Um, but like, I thought I knew it all in the sniper world. And I ended up going through a course with the army special operations guys. And I ended up failing that course. And that was the first thing in the Marine Corps in my life that I had failed, like that I can remember that was a big deal. And you were six years like, in at this point. Yeah, I was about six years in, maybe five, five or six years in. And I had failed that course and I took a step back um, a month later after failing. And I was like, why did I fail? And the write-up, it'll say, you know, hey, I failed because I didn't, uh, for unknown distance, the unknown distance range. The reality is, like, I failed because of my attitude. I failed because I failed to listen to what somebody else was teaching and a different way of doing something. And that was the whole purpose of me being there. And I had a piss poor attitude the whole time. I remember uh, thinking that I was just better than than they were. I was already a sniper and these guys are becoming snipers. And I was like, ah, and then I ended up failing. And uh, it was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And that moment was a, a defining point in my life because that moment, like after about a month, I took a step back. I started reading this write-up that they had wrote on me. And I was like, I don't ever want to be looked at like that again. You know, I don't ever want to um, be that closed-minded. So, you know, did they take I started into that class later? No, no, it wasn't something that I could go and do again because it was a, I was in the Marine Corps, it's a army special operations school. And I think I was, I was the first Marine to go to it in a long, long time. Um, not a lot of Marines go to that course. And, you know, but the funny thing was I ended up taking everything that I learned there and I did not get a certificate, but I made it all the way through the course. And, I started implementing it into the Marine Corps uh, scout sniper program for the Marine Corps high angle sniper course. And man, I'll tell you, like, uh, that's really what launched my career was starting to question things, starting to uh, look at life a little bit differently in, in the sniper world and the instruction world. And I question everything now. So, you know, it's even what I'm taught by the leading experts, um, I will make sure that that works and I'll question it. And it's not me saying that it's wrong. Just me saying, I need to see proof that that is the way it is, or that's true. And so, you know, it's caught, it's caused me to slow down in life. It's caused me to uh, be more humble, but it took that moment of failing and, you know, to be better. And if I would have, if I would have passed that course, I would not be where I am today. When, when you finished the course and they came and said, Hey, you know, you failed. Did you initially, cause you see, you said it took about a month before you're stepped back and, and tucked in. Did you initially in your mind push back and it's, it's all their fault. Oh, yeah. like it's there. Oh, hundred percent. You're the idiot. 100%. You don't know what you're doing. And yeah. So, yeah, so because I do, I do like things to make sense, and uh, what happened didn't make sense to me with the gun um, and what the instructors were saying, and you know I was like, oh, that's messed up. This is messed up. It's not, you know, I don't believe this is my fault. Blah blah blah. And I, after about a month, <clears throat> I realized I was like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, you know, this one thing I would have gotten a certificate out of it if I would have passed. Right. But like, 
what I took away from it is way better. I still took all the knowledge that they had taught. I mean, when they were teaching me, they were like teaching me the new a win formula. And I was like, ah, this is how I do it. And uh, I teach that win formula now, right? I, uh, I, I incorporate that into all my courses. And, um, a lot of make sure the army did. guys don't hear that, that they've influenced the Marine. <laughs> oh, no, you know, it, it, but that's the reality, right? Uh, is they did big time. They, they influenced the Marine Corps because, uh, they, you know, I think, I think it's like every, it's like a great nation, right? Like you, you can, like the Romans, they were so amazing and they thought they were so amazing. Then they're going to, they're going to fall eventually. Um, and the Marine Corps, the snipers, it's it's real similar, you know, compared to the Army. Like we were, that was the definition of what a sniper is. And then that gave the Army and they gave other units the chances to sit back and just work on themselves and not say anything. And then they became better. Um, I'm not saying the big Army did, but I'm saying certain, certain units, um, they did, they became better. And so... It's this. It's just the cycle of you know. Um, it's hard to stay humble when you're. I guess for say Marine Corps scout snipers, it's hard for them to stay humble when you're being told twenty four seven that you're the best thing out there in the sniper world. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, you might not be. Yeah. And the reality of it is, um, you've got to be. You've got to be humble in order to be the best thing out there. You've got to be the silent professional. And that translates, right? Like that, that translates across, like we're talking about a, a specific course that you did in the military, but obviously that, that mindset and that perspective on, on yourself and, and how you view yourself and like with your skills that translates into everything else. Um, I mean, that's another question about that course. I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about your mindset because it seems like this was a, a, a big, I mean, it was a big turning point for you. And I love like, I'm fascinated by those moments in time where we see ourselves, I guess. Um, and, and when we have opportunities to grow. So the, the, the point and, and what the point of the, like what the topic was or what the instruction was obviously isn't pertinent to this conversation. You probably couldn't talk about it anyways, if I asked you to, um, was it something that you objectively could see a result? I.E. was it something that was impacting? Like if I, click this way, click that way. If I read something this way or that way, I'm going to see a difference in an impact, you know, a thousand yards downrange or whatever. Or was it m something that was less tangible that you were fighting back on and that caused you to fail that course? If that question even makes sense. <clears throat> uh, so the reason, the reason why I failed was because um, I didn't end up hitting enough targets, right? on on the unknown distance but and what they had said is they said my gun had had a muzzle velocity jump so the day prior um we had we had all shot we had all shot we put our guns back in the armory we went out the next day for qual day and you get two attempts to, to pass <clears throat> and the first attempt uh, my gun was so far off what i had known my data to be it didn't make any sense i'm like my data is completely it's not even close to right and they and, you know the instructors came up after i failed and they were like oh, i think you had a, a, a muzzle velocity jump and i was like no 
negative. There's a lot of rounds to these guns. I'm not having a muzzle velocity jump. And so <clears throat> what do I think happened? Um, personally, it makes sense that somebody was to take my turrets and they were just to turn them over a little bit, right? Maybe like six clicks and then put it back on zero. That's going to cause me to not hit a lot of targets. Mess everything up. You know, all, all the, but, <clears throat> and so I'm like, okay, guns don't have muzzle velocity jumps 200 feet per second. That's just not a thing. I know that now. Um, but you know what? I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, okay, I don't know if that happened or if it didn't happen. And there's no way for me to prove it. And what I do know is that I had a piss poor attitude the entire time. And I do know that, you know, with their wind calling, like I was talking about, I wasn't applying their wind calls. So all these things went into it to cause me to fail. But the number one reason why I failed was because I went there with the wrong attitude. If I had gone there with a good attitude and, you know, went there to learn the instructors, I mean, I would have just had a, a much better time. Um, I would have been able to really get that wind formula down that they were, they were teaching them, which was super easy. I don't know why I couldn't get it across my brain, but you know, <clears throat> it was, it was, you know, not being humble. It was going there with the wrong attitude that caused me to, to fail that. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like, uh, it was, I guess it was a lack of knowledge. Um, and just, you know, I'm trying to think like lack of knowledge, not being prepared enough and uh, lack of humility. Yeah. And when, when you were encountering, sorry, I like, I just, this is, I think it's such a fascinating story and like a fascinating experience when you were encountering your misses, um, were you like, what were you doing? Were you trying to, to stop and, and I mean, recalculate and were you like, were you aware of what was happening? You were trying to find ways to rectify it. Or because I don't know how that course obviously works if you're aware of what your hits are or not or whatever else. But what, was there real time like recalculation? You're trying to fix, you're trying to correct, and you still couldn't get it type of a thing. <clears throat> no, because you're working in a shooter spotter team, and I I couldn't see where my rounds were going. It was on a flat range. If I was shooting like kind of at an angle, I'd be able to see where my rounds are hitting, and I as the shooter could kind of start taking it into account and start mm -hmm. fixing things. <clears throat> I could not at the time uh, see where my rounds were impacting. We were going off a trace or vapor is what you call it. So um, the trace of the round or the vapor of the round. And, you know, so my spotter, uh, me and my spotter both failed that course. So it wasn't like it was just one of us. It was, you know, both of us ended up going home. But <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, no, no real time stuff. Just me going. And I had five targets and, Failed the first time and I had five targets and failed the second time. And I was like, okay, that just happened. <laughs> well, that's, that's cool. That you're able to, to take that step back and, and learn from it and that it had such an impact. So thanks for uh, entertaining me while I kind of asked yeah. a bunch of questions about that experience because it just, it's a turning point. Right. And I think there's a lot of things to learn from those turning points when we step back and, and dissect what happened and, and try and fully understand that scenario. So if you have someone who is a client that comes to you, uh, we'll say specifically for like a wilderness skills course or even a, a sustainability course, um, how do you approach the attitude with, with those types of clients? <clears throat> so um, 
the courses are usually the woodsman high angle courses. So it doesn't always include shooting into it. Um, but if I can incorporate it into the course for the client, then I, I like to. Um, and it kind of starts with that. And when you're shooting at targets and, and you, have, you have to get behind a gun um, that you've never been behind before, or you have to do this methodical process, um, order of operations for how you're going to shoot a target, <clears throat> you can get flustered pretty quick. And I'll see clients come to me and they start getting flustered and that's, it starts right there. And I'm like, all right, no matter what you do, I don't care if you hit the, I don't care if you hit the target or not. I just want you to stay calm and I'll, uh, I'll induce time into it to induce stress. <clears throat> and I tell them, I'm like, Hey, <clears throat> don't pay attention to the time. Like I'm going to start this time to see if you can meet the time requirements, but it's just there to cause stress. And I need you to avoid being stressed. So um, my last one was, you know, the, the lawyer, he was super stressed out and he, you know, getting out behind that gun the first time he was just all over the place. Um, he knew a, a, a timer had started and he was at seven minutes to get down, find the target, build a position and engage it. He didn't hit it. He uh, took seven minutes, which is five minutes longer than what I gave him. I gave him two minutes. And he was flustered the entire time. Um, so after failing that miserably and seeing that, like, that did him no good and he took way longer, he went back to it, you know, that we did it again. And uh, I usually tell people, uh, how do I say this? Yeah, I know. Try not to cuss on your podcast. Uh I'll just say it. Like I tell people to give less. And what I mean by that is like, you need to care less a hundred percent. Like you need to not care in some situations. Um, because you're getting so worked up about something like with the time limit or uh, that you're letting it affect your ability to do something. So once I told him that, I was like, I don't want you to care about that at all. He went back and slowly did everything. Um, he did it way faster the next time and he was able to hit the target. So we do that over and over and over again. Um, you know, if we're out in the, in the, in the self-sustainment world and we're, we're in the back country and let's say we're doing bow drill, that's a real good one. You know, I'm teaching people friction fires. Uh, how did I learn? Like I learned to keep my calm and mindset with bow drill after I was called out because it took me five days of eight hours a day before I got my first friction fire, my first bow drill fire. I will say the instructors teaching us did not know what they were doing at all. It was a Marine Corps thing. And uh, I remember me and my buddy, Jerry Saunders, who also ran that course with me. We like just started YouTubing. We're like, okay, let's just figure this out. And we found, we figured out how to do it on YouTube. Right. And then, uh, but you know, I had taken my bow drill kit on like day four and I just slammed it up against a tree. And I was kind of joking around. I was kidding around. But at the same time, I was pissed. But I was also kidding. And, you know, that was, a, that was a pretty good learning lesson in life right there, too. Because the other instructors saw that. And even though I was kidding, uh, they didn't, you know, they, they always kind of called me out about that. They were like, yeah, you know, Debo freaking out about whatever, you know, the bow drill. And because uh, I don't like to fail things, I don't like to not be successful at things. But 
when I teach bow drill now, um, I'll usually get it the first or second attempt at doing bow drill. But what I always tell my students is, hey, bow drill is not a guaranteed thing. If you're at higher elevation, there might be less oxygen. If you're um, in a wet conditions, you, you might not get it as easily. If you're in a new area and you've never gotten it before, it might take a couple different types of wood to figure out uh, what works for you. If you haven't done it in a while and your body's not conditioned, you might not get it. It's rubbing sticks together to get an ember to blow it a flame. And it's, it's not easy, right? For um, somebody that's never done it before to jump in and try and do it, it could be very, very hard. And so the, what I always tell them, like, hey, this is going to irritate you. This is going to push you physically. It's going to push you mentally. Um, and you just got to keep a good attitude and learn how to not let it irritate you that much. So doing these sorts of things like bow drill or inducing time into uh, shooting exercises, like that's how yeah, we do a lot of it. And um, that gets you in the right mindset. And, you know, I, teach, I, I call it self-sustainment because it is all about long-term sustainment in the backcountry, in the mountains, in the wilderness. But like survival, um, I teach that too. But that's like, <clears throat> in order to teach survival, you have to like put yourself in that situation. So um, like a hypothermia lab, right? You're jumping into cold water. If you just jump into cold water and you get out, you pretty much did a polar plunge. That's not really teaching you that much in my opinion. Like, yeah, you can get out and dry off um, and you don't really need to do much to it. There's not much to it to to uh to learn honestly but if you're to jump in cold water and you're staying for let's just say five minutes um there's a lot that goes into that first off so don't go and just jump into cold water and think you can you know get out after five minutes and start figuring life out but if what i do with my clients is i push them to that limit of that is survival now how do your muscles how do your how does your body work whenever you don't have blood flow to your fingers and your hands and your toes and you can't feel anything. How do you use a ferro rod whenever you can't feel your hands? Um, five minutes is a good safe time for me to do that. And mindset, it is like in that moment, it's not necessarily teaching you anything, uh, but you are, you are learning, right? You're learning how does my body react to these things. But afterwards is where that biggest uh, takeaway comes is the fact that you were in for five to seven to 10 minutes and next time you fall through ice, you can just calmly catch your breath and figure out how to get out of it, right? And the one thing that people do when they fall through ice or they fall into cold water is they freak out immediately. They got to get out immediately. And uh, if they were just calm down, catch your breath, it takes about like 20 seconds when you fall, when you completely submerge your head, 20 to 30 seconds to catch your breath, get everything under control, and then enjoy it. Because you're in it. You're not going to get it any more wet, right? So you might as well just laugh at yourself. And if you're in a, you know, you're not moving water, laugh at yourself and figure out how to get out. But <clears throat> when I do that in a, in a uh, conducive learning environment or, you know, a safe environment, like if things go wrong, it really gives you a, a big advantage when you're out there in the backcountry. And so, that, that you know, it's teaching all the people these certain things that it's just, all comes back to mindset. So that's cool. Uh -huh. um, you're the first 
this is the first time I've ever heard of, of anybody who's taking clients and dunking them in ice water for five <laughs> minutes to, to, to give them a real world experience, right? Uh, that, that's really neat. Um, is there any other, are there any other scenarios that you, I mean, cause that obviously applies to more than just getting, you know, falling in ice water. There's a lot more you're going to learn from that, I'm sure. But are there any other scenarios that you're trying to simulate with your clients and then you're, when you're instructing and other things like that, that you're doing for people to put them in that situation? Yep. Um, so everything that I teach is always worst case scenario, right? Um, if it's falling through the water or if it's you're navigating and um, I think this is probably the military probably instilled a lot of this in me, but <clears throat> I take away your GPS and your, your compass uh, or I take away everything and Hey, you got to navigate. What are you going to do? Um, but it's, or we're doing friction fires and I'm like, all right, um, we're, or we're doing fires. You have to start a fire that night. And I'll be like, all right, well, you've got to split a piece of wood and get all the dry. You got to, you know, make a, a feather stick essentially. So I make them bow drill, hand drill, uh, feather stick method. Like these are all some of the hardest methods for, for getting flame in my opinion. And when you do that, you really learn and you can appreciate how to use a ferro rod or how to use a lighter uh, with an accelerant. And it makes all of that extremely easy. So uh, navigation, same thing. Um, yes, I do love to use Onyx maps and I do love to show people technology because most of the time you're going to be using technology, but you've got to have a backup plan. Um, and so these are all the things that it's never a survival situation until you're in it. Until and it then is. it's like it <laughs> until it is right. And so um, for me to sit there and go, Hey, this is how you start a proper fire. <clears throat> that doesn't really teach you Jack squat unless like you, you, you make it extremely, extremely hard and it needs to be, you need to be stressed out. Um, you got to be stressed out to learn not to stress out. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's something that's cool. Like, cause I've never, like you're, you're finding ways to actually put people in that, in that situation and to get, this is what you're talking about with Wayne a little bit was, you know, like, how do you, how do you, cause like for me, you would never be able to train like the things that I learned when I got lost that day. Like you'll never be able to teach me unless you just, you know, cause even if you were to go kick me out somewhere, I'm like, well, he still has a duty to me as his client, right? Like if I don't show up in a few hours, he's, he's going to find me. Um, it's like, you can't, you just can't simulate stuff like that, <clears throat> but it's cool and, and awesome that you're finding ways to do that. It sounds like the best you can. Um, I think the navigation one, I'm, I'm curious about how you do that. Like, or when you're with someone and you're working on navigation and you're saying, Hey, compass, cell phone, GPS device handed over, um, are they aware that you're going to be doing that and you're testing them to see like, Hey, have they been following landmarks where we're going? Have they been looking behind <clears throat> them every couple hundred, every hundred yards or whatever to try and, you know, see back trail and stuff? Or, or are you just, are they aware that that's going to happen? Or do you just say, Hey, give me your stuff. And then so, let's get out of here. So the, well, that method is definitely the military where they just take your stuff and they're like, Hey, well, sucks to suck nerd, figure it out. Right. <laughs> Um, that is not what I do. I'm not trying to set my clients up for complete failure. Um, 
So what I do is it's usually a four to five course progression. And the first um, four courses before the last course is all about learning. Um, so we'll start off, let's say the first course, if we're doing a little bit of land navigation, that might be learning how to read a map and using a compass, just a map, a protractor and a compass. And then we'll progress the next course to a GPS and we'll pro uh, progress the next course to uh, some type of uh, like Onyx maps or some type of app based system. And <clears throat> we'll talk about nighttime navigation. We'll talk about primitive methods and we'll talk about all of it. And so I teach you all of these skills. And when you come to the course, the last course is really the final exercise showing me that you have learned everything. Um, and this is changing people's lives. So I've, I've got one client, his name's Brian. It usually takes about two years to finish all the courses. He's got his final course coming up and he's lost 30 pounds for it. You know, over the course of a year, he's lost 30 pounds for this last course. He's changing his life completely for this. But I mean, we're going out. It's five targets over five days, um, 30 miles in the mountains. And I give him pretty much all the information about where we're going, where the targets are located. And he has to plan it all out um, two weeks prior to the course start date. So he is showing up, getting out of a vehicle, and we are moving. And we do this together. But he shows me he can light a friction fire. He shows me that he can um, navigate. And if he misses the target, well, your navigation just got harder. You're now having to, instead of using your Onyx maps, you might have to use map and compass. Um, but these are things that I've already taught him. So, and if we get to that point to where um, he does not, let's say he does not remember how to do something, that's fine. I can, I'm there for a reason to be able to, hey, remember this is how you do it. But I might take away some food. Right. It might be like, all right, well, nothing's free in this world. Right. Um, so it's and he knows this. So when you know that these are things that are coming your way, you're, of course, going to train, you're going to prepare, you're going to refresh, you're going to make sure that you know how to do all these things. Um, but, yeah, with the land navigation, it's that's super fun. And obviously we will if we're going in the wrong direction, we'll go in that wrong direction until you figure it out. So. Is your, are your courses, are they all set up? Like is, is, is course, is it all set up to follow this progression? I guess, do you do one-off courses or is everything <laughs> just like designed to filter up through your curriculum? I do. No, I, I, every course is customizable, customizable, um, because they're all private. So whereas I used to do courses with six to 12 people and I bring in other instructors I started, I stopped doing that and I, st I started only doing private courses because um, when people come to me, it's, you are legitimately getting skill sets out of this. And it is a proven skill set that you have an entire, um, every time you come to the course, you get a write-up done on you and, and on the clients. I have to do a write-up on the clients and what they've learned and what they're good at, what they're bad at, what they need to progress in, what they need to get better at. Um, and so because it is a one-on-one, -on -one, they can work on whatever they want. Let's say someone comes there and they're like, hey, I don't like guns. I don't want to shoot. But I do. I want to prepare for um, sustaining life up in, in the mountains in a cabin. So that's going to be, okay, well, um, how many courses is it going to take to, to get you to be able to do that? Um, do you want to cover other things during that time as well? But, you know, yeah, they're all 
customizable. So um, I just usually get people that want to do the long range shooting aspect in it because that really does make life easy when sustaining life in the mountains. If you can shoot further, uh, if you, <laughs> it does, if you can be precise and shoot a long ways away and you have the proper equipment, um, you're going to be feeding yourself pretty well. Um, so, I mean, you can be the, the best mountain man in the world, and, you know, if you don't know how to shoot a long ways away and you look over from ridgeline to ridgeline and you can't take that shot. Um, and somebody that doesn't know jack squat about catching rabbits or anything, but they can take that shot. They may be able to feed themselves for quite an extended amount of time, um, versus the other person. So it's really bringing all those skill sets together. Um, so the long range rifle, the long gun stuff, that's where my, heart and soul is and the self-sustainment with uh it's essentially long range hunting but it's not even long range i shouldn't call it long range i should just call it precision hunting um i'm also trying to bring the hunting world a little bit back in because they can definitely get carried away and try and shoot animals at unrealistic yeah, and say uh, you, by using the term of of long range hunting i mean there's a that's <clears throat> a that'll be episode 50 we'll bring you back and we'll go down that rabbit yeah hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the reason why I wanted to ask about about your courses, if they were all designed to kind of follow a, you know, course one through whatever, is it seems to me that, I mean, it, I think it's very obvious that you are intentionally um, forcing discomfort, and you're you're intentionally doing things like everything is designed to do exactly what I've been trying to get you to help me understand how you do it. <laughs> it's all designed to force that um, from the way that, you know, for this last course, this person is, is responsible to put together a, an entire plan of what they're going to do and how they're going to do it to at the end, you're giving people very real feedback. Like you got really real feed, very real feedback from that army course. Right. And that didn't yeah. feel good. You didn't, didn't enjoy that at first it's probably taken you i mean it took you a month to accept it and then probably even longer to appreciate it um you know and I'm, I'm sure you're giving people very real feedback on on how they performed and and what they could have done better and the reason why i wanted to get to that is i'm curious how many people want to keep doing that because it feels like there's a like it's gotten really easy for us today to not be uncomfortable and it's gotten really easy to to not have Mark tell you that you suck at something, <laughs> right? And we try and avoid those things. So, I mean, so do people come I, back? <laughs> yeah, so the thing is, like, I've, I've actually never had a client not return. Hmm. Um, I've had a client that I've had to fire. I've had to fire clients before um, because I just, I you know, it wasn't, I've only had to fire one client and you know, I didn't fire them necessarily. I just took them down in the direction of somebody else um, instructing. Them. But like, I'm not sitting there having them. They're not sitting. It's not set up for failure. Um, it's because if I was doing that, I wouldn't be a very good instructor at all. It's I teach them all these things um, that they need to learn they need to know and then they do it and naturally you're going to fail at it naturally you're not going to get bow drill um and so 
then I'm there to kind of talk you through and how to, how to figure it out and how to get that mindset right. So when you come through the course, like it might be super irritating trying to get friction fire with bow drill. Um, but, you know, my whole purpose is to be there to walk you through it, to have you figure it out to be successful. Um, so when we're, we're going through course to course, um, the clients, when they leave, they are seeing themselves getting better. They're not seeing themselves. I mean, they see themselves sucking in the beginning, usually like I would too. Um, even shooting targets, it's, you know, um, no matter who you are, what situation you go into, you are going to fail in the beginning. And if you're not failing in the beginning, you're, you should be stepping it up and doing something harder. Um, because through failure comes greatness, right? And, you know, if you're just always going through life, passing everything that you're doing, then you're not living up to your full potential. In order to live up to your full potential, you have to fail at certain things. And that's why it's easy for people to come through my courses and, hey, it's real difficult to hit a target of this range. But by the end of this amount of days, you are hitting targets and you see that difference. Um, and as far as being uncomfortable, they're not uncomfortable. Um, even with a cold water immersion, um, the biggest thing I like to show people is I teach self-sustainment and nobody's miserable. I'm pretty much teaching people how to be expert campers when you think about it. Like, you know, you go out there and if, if you know how to do these things, then you're never uncomfortable. You're not going to be cold while you're sleeping. You're not going to have a bad hurting back whenever you get up after sleeping in your lean-to. Uh, you know, you're not going to be hungry. You're not going to be wet, you know? So it's like they come there. I'm not forcing anybody to, to sleep in wet clothing. And, you know, they're, they're learning how to be comfortable, how to sustain, because you got survival, you got living and you got thriving, right? Um, you definitely don't want to be in survival mode. That means you're just barely making it by living. I mean, I mean, yeah, okay. We can sustain this, but it's not very good. And then you got thriving where you're happy. Uh, your mindset's right. You are progressing towards uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs to have it now. Okay, we've got fire, water, shoot, food, shelter. Um, now we're worried about, hey, love and relationships and building and, and self-worth and all that stuff. And so it's, you know, these these courses are designed to, to you will naturally be uncomfortable learning new things, but you will overcome them and uh you know that's you know when people come to my course and they sign up for it, it's real easy for them to learn these things because it's just one-on-one -on -one. you know you can't get away from me it's not like you can go you know and like hey if you need a moment you need a moment that's fine that's part of uh you know getting in the right head spaces taking a moment taking a break relaxing and when, when i teach the courses i teach a lot of times i'm like hey we're just going to take a moment. I'm going to walk away and you can work on this by yourself. And I'm going to, I'm going to piss off for a little bit because as an instructor sitting there over somebody the entire time, sometimes it's not as beneficial. I just letting them do it, letting them figure out how to work through it themselves. Um, and you know, it's, uh, I do that a lot actually, where, you know, I'm teaching someone something. I'm like, all right, here you go. I'm just going to walk away and then they'll usually figure it out. Cause there's not that much pressure on them, but yeah. No, that's great. Um, I love the philosophy. I'm, I'm excited to, to dig deeper into your website when we're done talking because I'm, I'm very curious about what you're doing and how you're doing it. So thank you for 
and answering all those questions. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. You've mentioned a few times that you're very passionate about the about the long range shooting, and and you try and incorporate it into your courses. And I, I mean, I could be drawing a, a a line here that just doesn't exist. And if it doesn't exist, then you know you're going to tell me it doesn't exist. But um, it's more than it's about more than shooting. I'm guessing uh, why you oh, love yeah. long range shooting and why you try to incorporate it into all your courses, whether someone is a shooter or not. Um, why is that? What I mean, what have you gotten from long range shooting that that makes it so impactful in your life? So long range shooting combines science with art. Um, it's science and art that finds a way to for you to to feed your family. Um, so not only is it a hobby that's fun, it's also uh, something that's useful and putting food on the table and putting organic food on the table, um, protecting your family, right? Whether that's protecting uh, the community that you're in, if you're in the military or if you're protecting your tribe, whatever, uh, it gives you standoff distance. It enables you to feed your, your tribe yourself. Um, and it is science and art. So, it's not that difficult either. It's something that the world makes seem like it's really confusing and there's so much math involved. And my entire purpose is to get rid of that mindset because people make a living off of making things seem difficult and it irritates the heck out of me. Um, my entire purpose in this life, I think, is to show people that things are easy. Uh, long range shooting, which has been dubbed as uh, this mythical thing that only snipers that got special training could do. And now people are starting to realize through precision, uh, precision rifle, uh, whether that's competitions or whatever, uh, they're starting to realize that oh, it's not that complicated. So, you know, I do love long range shooting because it is a hobby. It is fun. You know, it's, it's, you're, you're hitting a target from a long ways away, but you're having to, Problem solve. It's problem solving. Uh, figuring out what needs what you need to do differently to be able to hit that target. And a lot of times it comes down to once you start getting really good at it, it comes down to art, and that's reading a wind. Uh, and the wind is something that you can never actually 100% predict. From the second your bullet leaves the muzzle to when it hits the target, um, the wind can be doing something different. So it's your best estimated guess. So then it's really fun for me to teach people. Hey, no one's perfect. Uh, this is something that you're going to do that no matter how good you are at it, you'll never be perfect. And uh, when you start doing that and I get my students to, hey, we can become better. We'll never be perfect. It means you're always striving to become better. There's no, there's no limit to uh, how much you can learn in long range shooting. You're never going to max out. Um, there's always things you're learning. So um, if we were to you know, become, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I can compare it, but you know, long range shooting is something that you will always constantly strive to become better at. Do you, do you compete today? Like, do you compete in, in long range shooting competitions or is it? I do. I do not. <clears throat> um, I'm going to start possibly. I need to, because it, it is extremely beneficial. Um, it's great. It's testing yourself. It's you're finding new ways, but 
you know, there are some things that can create training scars. So as you go out there in the real world where uh, competitions are competitions and they're not real world scenarios all the time, you've got to be able to set that aside and do the competition and learn what you can learn from it. Um, but it could also build training scars. And a lot of times I'm teaching military, I'm teaching law enforcement, or I'm teaching hunters. And so there are some competitions that are coming about that are very realistic. And so that's what the ones that I'm looking to get into some of the NRL hunter matches, um, where it's hunting involved in it and, you know, to push myself to fail. Right. Uh, that that's great. And that's what I need to do. It has been a time thing. Okay. It's on the weekends you're working. Um, so it is more of a, okay, if I have time type thing to do it, but you know, I know it going into it, obviously I am going to not do well in these things and that's perfect because it gives me something to look forward to as far as becoming better. But, um, kind of like a loan, doing a loan. Um, when I went and did a loan, that was a perfect platform for me to, to learn all the realistic ways of doing something and taking whatever books I had read and just throwing them out the, out the window, right? Because read a lot of books, done, done a lot of things in training, and then you don't realize uh, what works until you're actually in that situ scenario and situation. Um, and you, were, you learn mass amounts in that um, environment. And it's the same thing with competitions. You can learn mass amounts, uh, make a lot of mistakes um, in order to become better. So I do need to get into doing more of those. Yeah, that's, that's why I asked that question is I was, I was curious if you were competing and what the competition was currently teaching you about yourself and your skills and your abilities. So um, I guess we'll check in when that starts up to see, to see where yeah. you're at there. Cause I, it, uh, that was, that was interesting to me. You mentioned alone and how alone kind of did that process for you. It kind of was, was part of that. I mean, obviously you had extensive training with the Marine Corps. Um, you had experience before the Marine Corps with, you know, being an outdoorsman, a hunter. Uh, what kind of things did alone teach you? And, and you mentioned, you know, throwing the books out. Um, but when you were in that real world scenario, how did alone reframe your mindset, your process, your perspective? Yeah, so it was, uh, it was extremely eye-opening. I didn't know when I went into it if I was going to last a day or a week or two weeks, if I was going to starve the entire time, um, if I was going to be well fed, all I knew is, um, I was like, I like going out here. I like spending that time outside. I don't know if I like spending that much amount of time by myself, but when I went and did it, um, I realized that I could sustain off the land for a long amount of time for an extended amount of time and be happy and have a good time doing it and stay busy building different things. Um, fishing, for example, when you have that much time on your hands, like you can get a lot done. I mean, I woke up at five o'clock every morning. I didn't go to sleep until like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I was working the entire time. And one of the things that it taught me is if you're going to self-sustain and let alone is pretty ridiculous, like not exactly it's realistic as it gets, but at the same time, it is not the same as sustaining life in the backcountry or sustaining life in the wilderness by yourself, because you would set yourself up for success. Um, you wouldn't just throw yourself in there with only 10 items in the middle of winter, right before winter, <laughs> right? I mean, it's pretty much like the worst case scenario. 
Yeah. And you wouldn't have to film it. But um, where it's where it's really good is like, you know, building like a I never knew I've never actually used a gill net before before I did a loan. Um, so I built a gill net like three or four times before I went out there and I was like, okay, I mean, it's pretty easy to build it. I went out there and realized how much fish I could catch with a gill net. Um, and I caught a lot of fish and I did not realize like, Hey, how long it takes to smoke this many fish. And I had never smoked that many fish before. And I, I mean, I had like 350 pounds of fish and I was catching two to four lake trout that are oh, like legitimately, I can't even get, bring my hands that one. Yeah. Um, just for those listening, Mark just leaned back in his chair and put his arms as wide yeah. as he could in the screen. <laughs> yeah, these are these are huge fish, and I'm sitting there like, uh, how do I smoke this? And I'm like coming up with different methods. But what it taught me most is that you have the time when you're out there to sit there and figure out how to smoke uh, a giant 30-pound lake trout. Like you can sit there and you can figure it out. Um, and how to how to prepare it. Uh, what to use and what not to use, uh, how to take the guts and use them for catching other animals and stuff like that. Like you figure a lot of the stuff out there. And so when people come in and they're like, Hey, I couldn't do a loan. And I'm like, yeah, you could more than likely you could, because it is all about mindset. And if you go out there with the mindset of, <laughs> I guess, if you go out there with the mindset of you're going to fail, things are going to suck. You're not going to feed yourself. Uh, but you're going to try and you're going to do everything possible. Every single day you will surprise yourself and every single day you'll be in a good attitude. So when I was out there, you know, I told myself, hey, every day that the sun comes out is a good day. Every day that it snows is a good day. Um, every day I catch something in my traps is a good day or I provide food for myself. So if it wasn't, if it was snowing, that's beautiful. I love snow. Absolutely love it. It's a way better than rain. Um, makes trapping and tracking easy. A lot of people look at snow and they're like, oh, it's snow. And I'm like, no, I love, love snow. Um, you know, if you have something in your traps or you've got food, that is a good day. So there's a lot of good days that I had out there. And those good days are really what get you by. Um, but it's really about, you know, mindset. And I guess when, you, when you're out there, and you're, you're doing that, you, you're afforded the ability to just sit back, relax, and not only do all those things, but appreciate it. And, you know, your Callie's, um, you know, Callie uh, went on that show and she did an awesome job of showing people uh, the proper mindset. And, you know, her experience of going out there and just embracing and a most too embracing the environment they were in and absolutely loving it like it was such a damn good time and people look at that like oh it's miserable you know it's cold it's that and yeah i had to work my butt off 24 7 to provide firewood and my heart is failing at the same time i didn't even know it but like you know it was fun you know and it was work 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 24 7 and that's one thing that you'll never get uh in any course unless you go through it and you're actually staying out there for a long amount of time. Um, when I teach my survival courses or, or self-sustainment courses, I don't make people starve. That's not doing any good. You know, you're going to go out there and you're going to um, not eat for, what, three, four, five days. Anybody can go and not eat for three, four, five days, and you can be perfectly fine. When you're staying busy, it really doesn't have any effect on you, in my opinion. 
Um, but if you were to go out there for two weeks and not eat, well, then uh, that's 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 doing something to you. It's kind of like staying in the water for five minutes versus not staying in that long at all. But, you know, I mean, things that you can't learn out of books, um, you're never going to learn how much firewood it takes to smoke 350 pounds of fish uh, to keep that fire going 24-7. You're never, you know, you're not going to learn uh, how to use a gill net because you're, it's illegal. You know, you're not allowed to use a gill net in a lot of places. But what you can learn is how to adapt, how to improvise, and how to keep a good, a good attitude. And how to keep a good attitude, you know, with a lot of failure gonna happen yeah what was it like because i don't remember the circumstances of of you coming home like i don't remember any of that right you mentioned there was maybe some illness or something going on um you also mentioned that you don't like uh what you would perceive as being a failure for yourself how was it coming home because i mean i i think uh i guess i shouldn't say most people uh people that think through things wouldn't consider that a, a failure right how did you handle coming home and, and what was it like um, coming back to whatever this is that we're doing? It was not hard for me to come back. Um, I came back and <clears throat> pretty much, you know, some people have harder times uh, reintegrating into normal life uh, when they come back from depending on how long they're out there and who, what kind of person they are. For me, I came back and, I could jump right back into it pretty easily. Um, it was, I didn't have any regrets. Um, I was questioning, I was like, okay, do I really want to do this? Cause um, I mean, I was super tired. And so when I did come out um, and I was like, Hey, you know, I've pushed myself medically, mentally and physically in, in some hard conditions in the, in the military. And I've done it in life. And this is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. It is because I've trained and pushed myself uh, to extremes that I am alive today because of, you know, because of calling. If I wouldn't have called it when I was out there, I would have I died out there. And uh, it's kind of crazy to think about, right? Because um, I don't uh, So I ended up having trichinosis. And that parasite uh, had put me in congestive heart failure. And so essentially, you know, my heart was not pumping. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't breathe. Uh, breathing was difficult, but I just thought it was from the lack of blueberries or something. And uh, I was like, I need some more salad in my life. But, you know, I kept degrading and degrading. And I, it was such a slow process, um, you know, over from day 10 to day 44 is 34 days of that. And finally, um, you know, I called it and I was like, I can't keep going. I just keep going downhill. And I called it and I, I was happy. I was like, all right, well, I've done, I, it was super tough for me. I wanted to make the recon and sniper communities proud, but you know what? You know, I, I pushed through as much as I could. And the realities of it is if I wouldn't have quit when I quit, I would have died. Um, you know, the doctors told me I, if I would have stayed out there for one to two more days longer, there's a good chance my heart would have just completely failed if I didn't start getting the medication when I started getting it. And when you think about that, you're like, wow, wow. And I learned something, through this, I don't look at it as failure at all. Um, you know, this is a, a self, when, when we go out there and we do these alone experiences, it is a, it is your journey within yourself. It's never a competition with other people. It is how long can you make it out there by yourself? And 
what are you willing to put up with and what's worth it to you? And when I went out there, I was like, I want to see what it's like to be out there by myself. I want to see if I can provide for myself. I want to see if I can have a good time. And I did that. And, you know, when I got to the point where I was like, I am too tired to keep going. I mean, I am done. I know that I had pushed myself to an extreme. But I just didn't know I was that bad off. But I also learned to listen to your instincts, to listen to your intuition, um, because that will keep you alive. Now, I'm not saying go out there and when life gets tough to quit. But what I am saying is to push yourself, push yourself and push yourself. When the life gets so tough uh, that it might kill you, you can quit. Uh, yeah because you know come back alive is the is the is the the name of the game right it's uh how to live your best life and anytime you're gonna do something to your body or yourself mentally or physically that's gonna keep you from living a a good life it's not worth it uh, no matter what you're doing in life so um, i was able to call it and came home and, and had a great time and you know it was that entire experience was worth it to me. So yeah, that was good. It was easy. And I think, I think to try and draw a parallel, cause I mean, you're obviously talking about something that um, a very small number of people will get to experience, whether it's those that get to experience it from being on the show or those that get to experience it from a much less fortunate set of circumstances. Yeah. Um, no, there's not many people that are, that are going to be able to go through that experience. Um, but like for me, for example, I, you know, I was in a tough spot with a job a couple of months ago and, uh, and, and this kind of always happens, I guess. Right. But one of the things I always tell myself when I'm starting to feel that time, like I think it's time to start moving my career in a different direction. And I have forced myself to stay in, in uncomfortable, unpleasant, and, and frankly, like unhappy situations kind of to my detriment because I wanted to wait until I knew that I wasn't running away from something. I wanted to wait until I knew I was running to something. Yeah. And when, when you know that you're running to something, uh, the, the feeling is very different of saying I'm running to a new thing as opposed to I'm running from what I'm doing currently. And I, I've tried really hard in my life to frame it as, you know, when I make decisions, I have to stop and make sure that I'm not running away from something because if I'm running away from something, I still have something to learn in that situation. Yeah. So that's, you know, I guess kind of with your saying it, you know, the quitting and, and feeling, and I shouldn't even say quitting. Sorry. It's, it's such like a weird, it's a weird thing to talk about, right? Tapping. Tapping. Yeah. Like leaving. I don't <laughs> even know. Like the journey was your, the journey was over. I don't know. It's such a hard thing to talk about. Um, but you know, talking about it when it's time, it's time and making sure that it was on your thing and making sure that we're not quitting too early on ourselves. And so that's a, a way, I guess, for me to make that make sense in terms that isn't um, such a rare experience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as long as you don't have any regrets in life. Right. And that's. Um, things always happen for a reason. And so you'll, you'll never regret pushing yourself. You'll never regret like you're talking about with your job, like staying in that situation to be able to set yourself up for something better instead of just quitting and then figuring it out. 
you're setting yourself up so you have something to go to. I really like that um, because it is so true, uh, you know, and even more so, you know, it's sometimes what's really hard is taking a step back in order to achieve some of your goals and knowing that you're getting knocked down a peg or two. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's not easy to do either, you know, sit there and do something that you're making less money at or that you're starting something completely new um, in order to better your life. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about being happy. And so, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do that for, for people. And I will say that the outdoors, the wilderness, that's my church. And so when I go there, that's me going to church and uh, it's pure and it's enjoyable and it always makes life meaningful. Um, I started my wine business pretty much based around that, getting people into the outdoors. And, uh, you know, I love to teach people and I love, I do love teaching people, but the thing is I'm traveling 220 days out of the year on the road when I'm teaching, I'm coming home, um, just to spend time with my son when it's my, when it's my time with them. And then other than that, I'm not even living here. And I'm like, man, is that really the lifestyle that I want? So I'm, you know, finding different ways to teach people, but getting them outside because that's where my passion lies is, you know, in the outdoors. Um, and it is, it is taking it, it's, a, it's taking it down a step, right? Starting up another business. And um, it's definitely, it's not easy, but at the same time, it's working towards being here for my son when he's, I don't know, eight years old, he's got soccer practice or whatever football practice, soccer practice, whatever he does. But, uh, you know, it's, you got to do those things in life and you got to uh, deal with the suck, deal with the hard times. And, you know, things are not going to come easy. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I wanted to to kind of get into the, the winery. So that was a, a perfect transition. I probably owe you like 10 bucks for making my job easy <laughs> there or something. I don't know. That was great. Um so that's interesting. That's actually not, uh, that's not what I was expecting. And so. No, it wasn't what I was expecting either. <laughs> so, true. you know, with, with my life, you know, I started off hunting, shooting, military, uh, teaching survival and shooting. And then I had my son, Max, and I was lucky enough to be able to go do a loan right after he was born. Um, about a year, actually, he had his first birthday and then I went out there. Um, the next week. And, you know, it was an eye opener to, to where, what direction my life was going in and what I could sustain. And, you know, I, I thought of a cool way to kind of help people, um, with me not having to be there 24 seven. And so I, I, de I developed what's called the woodsman selection and it, it is a wine company, right? And it's like, okay, well, how the heck does that work? But it's really an adventure based company. So uh, let's see here. So this bottle, for example, it looks cool. It's got a flint napped arrowhead on, or it's got an arrowhead on there with sinew. And you could take the arrowhead off and you can make an arrow with this bottle. And it's a damn good bottle of wine. It tastes good, right? Um, but what, what it is, is there's a QR code system on the back. And so all this really is, is a way to celebrate an adventure, celebrate something you're doing in your life that's meaningful. 
Um, and adventures will always be meaningful. Whether it's a good adventure or a bad adventure, it's always an adventure and you're always creating memories and you're always learning while you're out there. Got the old ice cream truck going by right now. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Hey, if you need to take a break uh, and run out, man, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> so when you scan the QR code on the back of this bottle, um, on the back of the Archer, it'll take you to a list of different adventures and it plans the entire adventure out for, for you. So uh, everything from paraglide or paragliding to um, sunset dinner dates, you know, it tells you all the gear you need to bring. It sends you links to what you got to, what you need to buy uh, to keep it inexpensive as possible for some of these. But it's really about building those those memories. And so while you're out there, you know, it plans it out, gives you a gear list, tells you the do's and don'ts of that adventure. And then it gives you a platform to celebrate, you know, that adventure that you did, as long as you're drinking age. Um, but it's not so much a, instructional as it is like uh, giving you a sense of purpose. And so even no matter what you're doing in life, go out there and seek adventure right seek seek excitement seek something new and uh man that's a life worth living so it doesn't matter what kind of job you have uh, it's just about getting people outside so some of it's instructional uh some of the adventures are, are set up that way like the the angler for example like you can go fishing with this one so hey here, here you go take the fly off take the line um and uh you can make a primitive fly rod and go out there and catch your first fish with what's included on the bottle uh the woodsman you can actually start a fire with this so it's actually a ferrocerium rod and then jute up top so you can take this off and you know the qr code also shows you how to start a fire with what's included on the bottle but so many people think you need a lighter and you can get multiple fires lit with just what's on that bottle so mm -hmm. every bottle is kind of interactive with you know how you can use it and what its purpose is but it's really about just getting people outside and enjoying those moments. And that's why I started or I created like the, uh, I got a miniature version of it here actually to make my life easier. But uh, so like a picture frame, right? Uh, so then people can go on there. Okay, well, you go, you do that adventure. And I guess I should just show you the life size. Look at this one. That's a life size. Oh, yeah. It's empty right now. It's got one picture in there. That's but cool. so, uh, yeah, so you put, you do your adventure, you take a picture while you're out there and you celebrate with a bottle of wine, you take a picture, you take your cork, you put it in there and then you put that up on your wall. And, you know, that's, that's all it is. It's just one way to go out there and live a better life, really. Hmm. Live a fun life. Yeah. <sighs> This is actually a, this is a lot deeper than I was expecting uh, in the wine conversation. Um, I was expecting like I really like wine and da da da, da which I'm sure you do. Um, yeah, a lot deeper. There's a lot more going on there. So where where does this come from? I mean, you're you're an instructor in in your uh, day job, I guess, <laughs> and you're starting this wine company that that is trying to give adventure. The way you're you know, instructing started, is, is pushing people. It, like, where does this come from in you? It it came from a billionaire telling me that I wouldn't make any money doing it. The wine so, specifically? Yeah, the wine. You know, wine in general. And this is the smartest man I know uh, in the in the world of business. Um, he's extremely extremely smart, and he's got multiple wineries. And, you know, and it, when he told me, he's like, "Hey, you're getting in the wrong industry. They don't make money." And I'm like. Well, mine's not about wine. 
Um, so he was telling me that I couldn't do something. I'm like, mine's really about the adventure. It's really about getting people, um, showing them a way to do something. Because like I said, I like to show people how easy things are. And so when you go out there and you do these things and you find out, hey, you can't overcome this sphere of heights or you can't do this or that, um, you need to be able to celebrate it with something. And so he, you know, he told me, he was like, uh, no, pretty much no. In the very beginning. And I was like, mm, that's not the way my brain works. When you tell me, no, I want to do it. Uh, that's the whole reason why I got into, uh, I was working my way towards force reconnaissance in 2006 before I even joined the military in 2008. Because someone told me they were like, you don't have the right personality for it. And I was like, I don't like being told that. Um, and so he told me the same thing with this and it, it drove me and, and I used that negative criticism to drive me to prove them wrong. Um, but what success to me is, it might not be the same to him or it might not be the same to someone else. So success to me in this business and why I started this was because I love teaching people this stuff. It's fun. If I can find a way to give this information to people and change people's lives for the better or make them more prepared for this world, because it's like, hey, here's all these survival self-sustaining tools, but also here's this wine to keep that proper mindset, to remember to celebrate, to have fun, to enjoy life. Um, and wine seemed like the perfect platform to do that with, you know. Um, I don't mind getting into whiskey and some of the other things later. But right now, I just want to be able to choose good wine um, from all over the country. So I don't make any of the wine. I select the wine. That's why it's called the Woodsman Selection. And I select it from New York all the way to California. And um, it, is, it is damn good wine that's in these bottles. So, um, yeah, but it's, you know, someone told me I, I couldn't do it. And someone told me, I, you know, <laughs> well, I guess would be even... successful. I guess even deeper than that, like you, you've built a life around, I mean, I'm going to keep saying pushing, right. But you, you've built a life around, um, facilitating experiencing life about, you've, you've built a life around helping others experience life, right? Like that's, it seems like that's a theme to what you're doing. And I'm curious where, where that comes from. Do you, do you even know where that comes from? Is that just, is that just Mark? Or was, is that like a, a Marine thing, like you training and teaching others and, and, you know, being responsible for people's lives and their experiences. And, and this is how it manifests in the civilian world. Or, I mean, is there even a, a Genesis there? I don't know. I think, uh, I think once, once you've instructed and, you know, when you go through, through someone's course and your life has changed for the better. Like as an instructor, I, I teach people. And when I get, like you were talking about, when I get them to come back to courses, that is what I view as success. Not if, um, they go, they go, if I get a thousand clients, it's not necessarily a uh, success. It's if I get that one client to come back, then that is success. That means they like what they're doing. Um, and they, are changing their lives for the better, or they're learning something new that can prepare them for something. But, you know, these are all skill sets that I see as valuable. Um, these are all things that not just the skill sets that are valuable, but like we were talking about with the mindset of pushing yourself, that right there is the most valuable. And so I get a lot of, uh, 
I don't know. I, I get a lot of gratitude out of uh, teaching people and showing people these things. And it's, it's just fun. You know, I don't really work. I just kind of show people uh, how to live a better life. And I, I enjoy it. I love what I do. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you said this earlier, so I'm just going to throw it out there. This is, this is something I wouldn't normally say, but Mark's just, you're just living your best life. That's, that's what I'm gathering. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. How long has the Woodsman selection been alive? I mean, are you are you in stores now and and selling and, I am and shipping? On, yep, I am online. I've been alive. What's today? The fifth or the sixth? Sixth. Sixth, I believe. Yeah, I've been alive for six days. Oh, cool. So I uh, I opened yeah I opened June first. Um, that was my grand opening, and um, so I've got a Father's Day sale coming up where. Uh, it's a box set of the four types of wine. It comes with two uh, two glasses in there and two coasters and a custom made box. And so, you know, it, it's you know this business thing is just figuring it out, right? And so, it, no matter what you do in life, I'll, I'm a big advocate of people going out there and starting their own businesses because working for the man can suck. Uh, working for yourself can suck for different reasons. Trust me. Don't get me wrong, but uh, at the end of the day how much work you put into it, you know, you were either rewarded for that um, or, you know, you're going to pay the price for not working a lot, but it's just figuring it out. I don't know much about the wine industry, but every day I'm figuring it out. Um, so the wine industry is your, is your wind. Huh? Yeah. The wine industry is me taking an uncomfortable step into something uh, and learning it because I am an, I am a believer that you can do anything. And, you know, I'm a guy that rubs sticks together for a living, um, you know, but uh, you give me, like you were talking about, you give me a, a book on something to do and you read it and you get passionate about it. And if you have passion behind it, uh, you will be successful. So with yeah. passion and, and drive and a little bit of knowledge, you can, you can do just about anything. Have you, uh, is there a, a box in the mail somewhere for a, someone's order of Woodsman selection? You, I mean, have people been hitting your site and starting to do orders and such yet? Yeah, mostly through social media on Instagram. Um, because it's so new, I, I haven't even uh, started to figure out what stores to put it in. There's a lot that goes into it for just distribution and, and the wine laws and alcohol laws. But uh, in the state that I'm in, I can actually get it into stores. Say, so have fun in Utah, work. my friend. <laughs> Oh, that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, Utah's on, on the no fly list for sending wine to that. But, you know, I'm in, uh, I can ship to, I think, 44 states or 45 states right now. So that's pretty good. Um, so if people want to order offline, they can. Um, but yeah, Utah is not one of them. I want to say Connecticut is another one. But uh, so I'm trying to think through them. Like, you got 44, 45. So I'm thinking Utah, Idaho. There's got to be some. You know, Connecticut, maybe Delaware, maybe some Delaware. Your, I don't know. Some of your blue law states where you can't hunt on Sundays. I'm assuming there might be some stuff there. Yeah, there, there's a, the the alcohol world is a weird one. Um, <laughs> it is it is definitely different. So, so I mean, I know it's super. Early. I mean, you're six days in, but have you um, have you seen any feedback already? Like, have you has anyone hit up the Instagram and and tagged Woodsman Selection and and been on an adventure with your product yet? Yeah, so uh, I, I was starting to get some text messages in from people that are going out there and doing it, which is super neat. Um, and I've given this stuff to, out to friends and stuff like that to try it and test it as far as like doing the adventures and stuff like that. And I've obviously done a lot of them myself. 
Um, but you know, the, the feedback is done nothing, but great. The problem is like, I need other feedback, right? I don't want to be told everything that's, that's so great about it. I need to be, you know, you need to be told what's, what's wrong and how to improve it. And there's always ways to improve it. I mean, this started off as a bullet and a wine bottle that I thought looked cool into bottles that you can use them into bottles that had adventures with them. And so, and it's just wine right now. So now it's just, you know, Hey, uh, now figure out the, how to get rid of it. I figured out how to build it. All right. And now it's figuring out how to sell it, how to make people aware of it. Um, and so, you know, this, this brand, it's just a guide. All, all these bottles are, are a guide to making your life a little bit better um, as far as on the adventurous side. Um, you know, so, yeah. That's it's not, it's not, it's not, not going to make your life, uh, it's the bottles itself, they're not going to make your life better. You're going to make your life better. It's just kind of a, hey, this is how you go. This is a simple way to go do it. Yeah, with a little bit of liquid courage to go along with it. Make sure you get out there. Exactly. And if your adventure sucks, right, you get two bottles and you'll be all right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, Mark, this has been a, a, a great chat. I really appreciate um, the things you've shared. I appreciate your philosophies and your perspectives. You've definitely given me stuff to think about. Um, as we start to wrap up here tonight, um, is there anything that you want to talk about or get into that we didn't touch on? Uh, in the episode tonight or is there any oh, kind of final words or anything you would like to say um, as we as we wind down here keep a positive mental attitude that's it you know no matter what you're doing in life keep a good attitude test yourself push yourself physically mentally and spiritually and you'll never regret that amen well, Mark, again, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule. And after you've shared what your schedule is like, um, I'm <laughs> very appreciative of that. And I'm um, impressed that we were able to make this come together actually quickly and easily. So, again, thank you so much and really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me.